0: if I may be able to preach this morning. Father God, we ask that you move in a mighty fashion this morning. Man is inherently a worshiper. Now, there are a lot of people who would not like for me to say that. But man is basically religious, though unregenerate being. In all of human life across this planet, there is a consciousness of a supreme power even among the most uh, primitive of tribes, there's a religious being who will try to attempt to fulfill his duties to the the powers, the invisible powers he senses about him. Since the beginning of time, uh, music has always had a, a unique association with man's worship experience. Now the word worship itself is a contraction of an old English expression, that denoted the description of reverence to an object of superlative worth. So you gave honor and heartfelt love. A more thorough definition of worship has been given as follows, an act by a redeemed man, the creature toward God as creator, whereby his will, intellect, and emotions gratefully respond to the revelation of God's person expressed in the redemptive work of Jesus Christ as the Holy Spirit illuminates the written word to his heart. Now those who choose to dismiss God, worship nonetheless. There will be something in their life that is given supreme value and worth. Uh, If not anything we could readily define, very often they wind up worshiping themselves. The hymn that we honor today, was written and published in 1833 in a hymnal entitled Christian Psalmody, and it has been noted as one of the finest of the earliest ninth, of the early 19th century area. It has often been called a model hymn for worship. It has very few equals in expressive lyrics in the exaltation of God Almighty, and every one of the descriptions applied to God in this song that we have just sung a few minutes ago. It's amazing. King, shield, defender, ancient of days, maker, redeemer, friend. And then the vivid imagery such as his chariots of wrath that these thunderclouds form and the references to his attributes of power, eloquence, uh, might, grace, bountiful care, all combine to describe the God we worship in a powerful way. The author of our hymn was Sir Robert Grant. He was born into a the setting of a high political life in Bengal, India in 1779. His father, Charles, was a respected ranking leader in India and a director of the East India Company. At the age of 29, Sir Robert Grant became a member of the British Parliament from Scotland. He was also a zealous leader in the evangelical movement, wing of the Anglican Church, and he became active in business. And eventually he was appointed governor of Bombay in 1834. Yes, the writer of our hymn today was a politician, but a great man of God. He was a devout and deeply spiritual lay evangelical Christian throughout his life. And he was involved primarily in secular and political pursuits in India. Uh, He maintained a strong interest in the missionary outreach of the church throughout his life. Because of his very hard work to alleviate the poverty of India, to improve road systems, uh, his concern for the spiritual nature of the people of India, he became greatly loved by the people of India. They established a lasting memorial there in the form of a medical college bearing his name. And it is the second oldest college in India, and it still is in operation. In 1839, a year after his death in India, his brother Charles collected 12 of Robert's poems and published them in a little volume entitled Sacred Poems. Although several of these poem hymns received some acceptance, it is only this passage, this text, that is still in common use in most hymnals today. Oh, worship the King. Such an incredible. Beautiful, wonderful hymn. Now, we're about to look at the basis of that hymn, Psalm 104. And I'm going to ask you to stand with a caveat. If, you, uh, don't, if you're not able to stand for a lengthy time, then feel free to sit. Because this is a long passage of scripture. And I'm going to look at the entire psalm today. there's no passage of it that I feel that I can actually just skip over. So for those of you who can, please rise as we look at this incredible song of praise and adoration to God Almighty. Praise the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. He wraps himself in light as with a garment. He stretches out the heavens like a tent and lays the beams of his upper chambers on their waters. He makes the clouds his chariot and rides on the wings of the wind. He makes winds his messengers, flames of fire his servants. He set the earth on its foundations. It can never be moved. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The water stood above the mountains, but at your rebuke, The waters fled at the sound of your thunder they took to flight. They flowed over the mountains. They went down into the valleys to the place you assigned to them. Uh, You set a boundary they cannot cross. Never again will they cover the earth. He makes springs pour water into the ravines. It flows between the mountains. They give water to all the beasts of the field and the wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds of the air nest by the waters. They sing among the branches. He waters the mountain from the upper chambers. The earth is satisfied by the, by the work, fruit of his work. He makes grass grow for the cattle and plants for man to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth, wine that gladdens the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread that sustains his heart. The trees of the Lord are well watered, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. There the birds make their nests. The stork has its home in the pine trees. The high mountains belong to the wild goats. The crags are a refuge for the conies. The the moon marks the seasons and the sun knows when to go down. You bring darkness, it becomes night. And all the beasts of the forest prowl. The lions roar for their prey and seek their food from God. The sun rises and they steal away. They return and lie down in their dens. The man goes out to his work, to his labor until evening. How many are your works, O Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of all your creatures. There is the sea, vast and spacious, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things both large and small. There the ships go to and fro, and the leviathan which you formed to frolic there, these all look to you to give them their food at the proper time. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. When you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the earth. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. He who looks at the earth and he trembles, who touches the mountains, and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. May my meditation be pleasing to him as I rejoice in the Lord. But may sinners vanish from the earth and the wicked be no more. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Praise the Lord. And God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Now this hymn actually has two classifications. It is classified as a creation psalm. You've noticed everything about this in terms of praise is focused on the creation of God. It is also a descriptive psalm. In other words, it tells why we should worship God, why our praise should flow. It is also a psalm that is personal praise. This psalm is one man giving his praise to God and it is only in that very last part of the, that's on your screen right now that he intimates everybody should be praising. When he says, Oh, praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Well, he's talking about him. But that praise, praise the Lord, is the word, hallelujah. And it means... Praise ye the Lord. So after he has worshipped God and loved God, he's encouraging all of God's believers to praise him. Now we're going to look at the hymn in depth. But before we do, I want to share with you just a few words by A.W. Tozer. On this issue of worship. And he made a statement quite a while ago. Worship is the missing jewel in modern evangelicalism. We're organized, we work, we have our agendas, we have almost everything, but there's one thing that the churches, even the gospel churches, do not have. That is the ability to worship. We're not cultivating the art of worship. It is the one shining gem that is lost to the modern church, and I believe that we ought to search for it this until we find it. Folks, we've grown comfortable with coming and singing and leaving. Tozer is saying, we need to be worshiping God. And he made a statement. Tozer is another one of those people I read whenever I need to have conviction. Get ready. If you will not worship God seven days a week, you do not worship him one day a week that sink in. If He is not a part of our lives and worship all the time, then what we come and do on Sunday may be a religious experience. But it is not the worship that Becky described straight from the bottom of your being and who you are. And Tozer said, God wants worshipers before workers. Indeed, the only acceptable workers are those who have learned the art of worship. And then... His last words I want to share with you are my heart for you today. How I wish I could adequately set forth the glory of the one who is worthy to be the object of our worship. I wish my words could just light a fire within us and understand he is worthy. And I'm at full agreement with Tozer. I believe we should be worshiping the Lord constantly, not only together, but in our own private lives, not only on Sunday, but all the other days of the week as well, not just singing hymns and choruses that we've learned, and we can sing by rote. Uh, every one of us here, well, most of us, the little ones maybe not, but m- most of us adults, there are certain songs that will come up on that screen or in a hymnal, and we don't even have to think about them anymore. We know them so well. The words just flow. We need to truly worship him, open ourselves to a personal encounter with God Almighty. and This psalm actually shows us several reasons why we should worship the Lord. So let's begin our journey here. We should worship the king because he is the Lord of the heavens. He is Lord of heavens. The psalmist called upon the, the, the deepest part of his being Bless the Lord, O my soul. That's the phrase nephesh. And it's talking about the the deepest part of who we are. At the very depths of who we are, we need to worship the Lord. Now, in a lot of translations, the opening word is bless the Lord, O my soul. It is the word barak. And it is used of people wishing blessings on each other. Wanting you to have a good it's the at the end the benediction when i give a word of blessing that's the idea but the word means to bend the knee in other words to bow down a very very prominent aspect of worship in the old testament and the niv whenever the word barak is used in terms of god NIV translates it, praise. Praise at the depths of your being. So let's take a look. I want you to notice the different phrases of God's power. Let me back up just a second. I've given you scripture verse references today because I hope you will take this home with you and throughout this week read carefully each segment so you'll know where it's coming from. So, uh, the the psalmist uses beautiful terms to speak of God's sovereign power. He is clothed with honor and majesty. His garment is the light. Creating heaven for God was no more difficult than stretching out a tent. All nature is at his beck and call as he rides the winds of heaven. The flaming angels above are his created servants, and he just piles ideas that are showing God is sovereign. God is Lord. He is King and He is Lord. And when we think about that, when we understand that, friends, such majesty, such glory calls forth our praise. Every one of these phrases draws to the idea of the greatness of God. How amazing He is, how great He is, how wonderful He is. We are clearly shown He is infinitely greater than Than anything we could ever hope to accomplish. And when we think of that greatness we may find ourselves wondering why do you care about me? The psalmist understood that in Psalm 8. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. And that word heavenly beings, sometimes translated in angels, is actually the word Elohim. Uh, that is, time in the Old Testament you just see the name God, that's Elohim. The psalmist may have been actually saying, God, you just made us a little lower than you. That's how much you love us. That's how much you're, you care for us. In, in spite of all the beauty of the world, this is where your heart is. And our praise grows when we remember that a God such as this loves us. The God who created everything, the God who is Lord, the God who determines seasons and times, the God who set it all in space. He Loves us. N.T. Wright made a beautiful statement. He talks about prayer. And prayer is one act of worship, folks. It's not just about asking stuff. It is actually an act of worship because we are acknowledging God. We need you. And Wright wrote, prayer brings together love and power. The relation of love that grows up between God and the person who prays and the flowing of power from God to And especially through that person. God is our Father and He wants us to rely on Him. And as we open our hearts, we know His love even more. And worship, worship is simply the response to God's greatness. Oh, worship the King all glorious above and gratefully sing His wonderful love, our shield and defender, the Ancient of Days, pavilioned in splendor. And girded with praise, and then we should worship the maker because he is the creator of the world. In verses five through nine, we're given a picture. This Lord, who is sovereign above all, actually created everything that we see. we need to understand that. Because for the psalmist, he doesn't try to reason out how are we here. Why are we here? For the psalmist, the psalmist declared that it was none other than God Himself who formed the foundations of the earth. As you read those texts, you will see God brought order out of chaos. He covered the earth with waters which respond to His call. When it makes that statement, they will no longer cover the earth, did you immediately think of Noah and the promise to Noah? The reason the world will never flood again, I'm not saying it won't flood in portions, but the whole world, God made a promise. This God who created. He protects the earth from disastrous floods. And all of these images are used to show this is our Creator. This is our Maker. And He has created this world that we rely upon that we live in. And folks, the beauty of God's work should fill our hearts with awe. That's what the psalmist meant in Psalm 8. I go out and I look at the world and its beauty and its wonder and I feel very small. I feel very insignificant until I remember you love us. We become aware of the majestic God we serve. One of my favorite things to see is a sunset over water. I don't often see sunrise over water because I avoid that time of day. But I remember there were times uh, driving when I had to do a lot of driving over the twin spans and even the Causeway. There were times I had to be very careful. Because I could get so caught up in the beauty of what I was seeing that I was just beside myself. And I had to remind myself, Danny, you have to pay attention to the cars around you. We cannot help but be in awe. When we see the beauty of the world he created, and folks, keep this in mind, the world that you and I are looking on is the world after the fall. The world marred by the sin that humanity brought into its existence. So, I I can't even begin to imagine what the new heavens and the new earth will will look like when a world marred by sin is this incredibly beautiful. And our worship continues to build when we remember that we are the crowning point of His creation. Get this, folks. During the days of creation, God will look back and said, it is good, it is good, it is good. And when man is created, it is very good. Because He created us with the intention of walking in a relationship with Him in a way no other created being can. And I know you love your animals and they're your pride and joy and some of you may look at them as your children or grandchildren. But folks, a praying man doesn't pray. And a dog cannot understand the Creator who made Him. We can. We can know Him. We can love Him. We can serve Him. Created in His image, our grand purpose in life is to know Him. It's to love Him and serve Him. And until we do... Until we come to the place of acknowledging God is my maker, God is my creator who loves me, my life will always be out of balance. And So for a large number of human race that have turned away from worshipping the God of creation to worshipping the creation, they can't even define what's wrong. Blaise Pascal was a French mathematician, philosopher, theologian, And he made one of my favorite statements in Christian history. There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God, the Creator made known through Jesus. It's called the image of God. Though marred by sin, it is the image of God that opens us up to be able to hear the call of God. So when we understand this God loves us, it changes everything. O oh, tell of his might, O oh, sing of his grace, whose robe is the light, whose canopy space, his chariots of wrath, the deep thunderclouds form, and dark is his path on the wings of the storm. Then it's not just that he's creator. We should worship the Almighty because He is the sustainer of life. These a lot of verses, verses ten through thirty, are focused on the fact that God, having created the world, keeps it functioning in such a way as to move and continue. William Van Gemeren, who's a professor emeritus at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, said all his created works reveal the splendor and wisdom of the Creator, because he remains constantly involved with his handiwork. The deists of the 18th century, growing out of out of rationalism, believed that there was a God, but he, he he created the world and wound it up like a clock, and then walked away from it. The Word of God says God is intimately involved. Augustine made the statement that the world is being held in the hand of God by a string above a deep and never-ending abyss. And if at any moment in time God let go of the string, we would cease to exist. So over and over, the, the psalmist uses beautiful imagery to show that God is the one who not only created this world, but God is the one who keeps this earth filled with life. He moves in nature bringing the springs upon the earth that water its animal life, causing the grass to grow and herbs to rise that animal and man will find sustenance. He appoints the rounds of the sun and the moon so that seasons go on uninterrupted. He fills the frightening sea. Keep in mind, the Jewish people did not like the sea. It was terrifying them. They were not an ocean-going people. But he fills it with hope because God guides the hand even of the terrifying seed. And should he ever turn his back, if you ever turn away, your world would be terrified. And if you take away the breath, it will cease to be. All of this points to a phrase that has been used frequently within the minds of the people of God who love him. It's providence. God continues to sustain the inner universe. Again, Augustine says, trust the past to the mercy of God, the present to His love, and the future to His providence. We trust that you will do what is right and good and true, and you will provide for us. And so I believe our very existence shouts out our need to worship and adore the Lord God Almighty. Knowing that God provides for us and sustains us gives us reason to have hope. In a world that is so filled with chaos and craziness, the fact that God is with us providing gives us hope. With all that seems to go wrong, the Scripture assures us that God's plan and the provision will be fulfilled in the end. And so, our worship moves toward a A joyful crescendo. The music is building up inside of us, ready to just become amazing. When we realize each day is a gift from our Creator. I'm not trying to be flippant, but if you woke up this morning and you were not in the obituary, God gave you a gift. God gave you a gift. Now the question is, what will we do with that gift? It's kind of like Christmas morning when kids are tearing into the gifts. Ooh, that's my favorite. And they go, oh, that's... And pretty soon, they've forgotten most of the gifts. And if the child is really young, I still remember the first Christmas where, where Jessica was cognizant of things going on. She played as much with boxes as she did the toys. Will we take it for granted? Or will we cherish the nature of this gift? And praise the one who has given us life. Who gave us this day. Thy bountiful care, what tongue can recite. It breathes in the air. It shines in the light. It streams from the hill. It descends to the plain and sweetly distills into the dew and the rain. And then finally, we should worship the Lord because He is the one whose glory is forever. Daniel Estes by contemplating what the Lord has created and how he continues to control it humans catch a glass catch a glimpse of how glorious he is folks when I look and I pay attention and I I see God's hand moving and I see the beauty and I see the season and I realize down here in South Mississippi we, we don't actually have four seasons around here but when we see the movement of time and we see God's hand and all those little things that he's doing It just gives us a hint at how glorious He is. You see, the psalmist showed God's glory to be everlasting in three important truths. He indicated that God loves and rejoices over His creation. God takes pleasure in the works of His hands, including us. He has power over creation. Even natural disasters accomplish His purposes in ways that we cannot understand ultimately. We're too finite to understand the why. He says He will bring justice to this creation. All of evil in this world will ultimately be dealt with by God. Because He is the God of glory and might and power justice and love. Such glory can move our hearts as it fills us with wonder. What seems to be out of control and our world is so full of chaos right now it's very easy to just throw your hands up in the air it's all over nothing. But the reality is what seems to be completely out of God's control is ultimately under the control of God. And I don't care what dictator, what immoral leader is out there in the world they will not thwart plan of God, the ultimate plan of God. When I think about his glory, when I think about his wonder and all the things we said about him. I am never more in tune with Isaiah than at that moment when he cried out, woe is me. I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell among the people of unclean. Because this is a glorious, holy, amazing God. But the truth is, around us is a hope. Around us is a hope that this God who is holy and righteous and glory and mighty and Lord and King and Creator and Sustainer, He's here to move. Hopeless is expressed by Francis de Salle He said, the world is a great stage on which God displays His many wonders. And every time God moves, it's saying, I love you. I can redeem you. I can make you into something wonderful. And so our worship erupts from our hearts filled with trust and love for the good one whose glory never fails. I love a blessing that was given to God by Brook Foss Westcott. Glory be to Thee, O God, the Father, the Maker of the world. Glory be to Thee, O God, the Son, the Redeemer of mankind. Glory be to Thee, O God, the Holy Ghost, the sanctification of Thy people. Glory to God because He has moved in our lives in all of His majesty, His acts of creation, His sovereign providence, His amazing glory, He is the God who has chosen to walk with us. God is with us. He's not up there in the high heaven so far removed we can never know Him. He walks with His people. He loves His people. He ministers to us. And so grant frail, frail children of dust and feeble as frail, in thee do we trust nor find to fail. Thy mercies, how tender, how firm to the end, our maker, defender, redeemer, and friend. I've often told you that if you leave this building the same as you came in, you haven't worshiped. You can't encounter the God of eternity without some degree of change. Maybe you will walk out more loving to Him. Maybe you will walk out knowing you need to be more loving to your brother and sister in Christ. But there will be change. Richard Foster, he wrote one of the life-changing books that I've read, The Celebration of Discipline. said, Worship begins in holy expectancy. It ends. In holy obedience. A call for obedience today is that we should be worshiping the King. So I ask, when was the last time you truly shared your love and adoration with God? You really shared from the depths of your being your love for your Creator. When was the last time you truly allowed yourself to worship Him with all your heart? You weren't concerned about what other people would think. You weren't worried about, oh, they might not like that. All you knew is I've been touched by the hand of God and I want to tell Him how much I love Him. When was the last time you let that worship build into you, up in you until you felt like you might burst if you don't sing His praises? It is my prayer for you today. At this very moment, you will open up your heart and worship Him. The reality is, and it's a sad reality, you may have been a church member for years, for decades. And what we do on a Sunday morning seems old hat. You know what we're going to do. We follow a fairly basic pattern in our worship. You know we're going to sing songs. There are going to be prayers. There's going to be a sermon. All that. And you know, you come... I know it all, I've seen it all, I've experienced it all. But folks, He is the Lord of Heaven. The creator of this earth. The sustainer of our lives. And the one whose glory never fades. If you can become familiar with that, then you've lost the heart of worship. Will you give him the love he waits for? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads before him. We're going to have a time of silence. And in that silence, I'm asking you to let the truth of God found in his word here that calls us to worship, to wash over your heart,